0: Seekers, freedom fighters, defenders of liberty, deplorables, lizard people, insurrectionists, and mega-ultra-mega-extremist Republicans. And all of you annoying voters that MLG, now the next governor in the next term of the state of New Mexico, she refers to all of you people as other people. I'm your host, Becca Marie, and you are listening to Freedom Speak. We are unindoctrinated, unvaccinated, unrestrained, unashamed, unrelenting, unapologetic, and unafraid on Conservative Talk ABQ, KDAZ, 96.9 FM, AM 700, and listen from anywhere at Conservative conservativetalkabq.com. I'd like for you to check out my website, freedomspeaknm.com. You can listen to playbacks of all my previous shows. Check out all the resources I have posted on there. You can Uh, get the podcast of this show if you miss it or listen to any of the other previous shows by going to soundcloud spotify stitcher apple itunes and also by clicking on the radio replay link on my website you can email me your comments and suggestions to becca b-e-c-c-a at freedomspeaknm.com and you can also get started advertising Uh, i'd like to hear from you so it's been a pretty disappointing week in New Mexico if you're a conservative and I'm not gonna say Republican or Democrat because honestly there's a lot of Democrats out there that are also conservative really conservative by today's standards trust me the Kennedy Democrats those people I hope you ran from the party cuz the Democrat party is not the party that you used to know It has become a radicalized, leftist, socialist party. I think they really need to change the name. So I got to thinking a little bit about, especially how in this state, so many people voted to get the tiny tyrant back into office. Now that's even debatable, and trust me, we're going to talk about that. Other tyrants that were voted back into office that come to mind Michigan, California, <sighs> New York. These people voted for these people. I don't know why they voted for them. But on November 8th, this country reelected four tyrant governors along with a number of socialist Democrats that will simply walk in lockstep with these evil people and the illegitimate president, Joe Biden. Yes, illegitimate, I am going to say that. I don't believe he won the election. Kathy Hochul of New York, Gavin Newsom of California, Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, and our very own disgusting little tiny tyrant, Michelle Lujan Grisham. These evil people literally ran on a platform which enables the mass murder of babies. This is the platform they ran on. That's it. Their evil supporters celebrate this fact, and the ignorant ones simply always vote for candidates with a D next to their name, often because it is their tradition. These drunk-on-power, wannabe dictators prevented children from attending school for nearly two years. Forced the closure of countless small businesses. Rendered the employees of these businesses jobless. Destroyed the dreams and financial futures of the owners of these businesses. Mandated that contracts be illegally broken. Closed parks and public places, forced the closure of houses of worship, closed gyms, instituted bread lines in the freezing cold of winter, and the list goes on and on. Violators of these unconstitutional, illegal attacks of our personal liberty and freedom were fined and some even put in jail. Mandates and curfews were imposed. Businesses deemed essential by these lawless tyrants were threatened and coerced into becoming de facto enforcers of these illegal mandates, making them party to HIPAA violations as well as trampling of our constitutional rights. A general state of fear and hopelessness was instilled upon the population of America. Many people have had a serious case of psychosis induced into them. And I've talked about that. Talked about that last week. Mass formation psychosis. <sighs> there are many moments in history in which civilizations were put into a harsh situation and fear in which people will turn to a tyrannical leader thinking they are the only one to solve their problems. I believe the current situation in our country and in the entire world is mainly the result of a planned, overblown, man-made set of emergencies specifically designed to create an atmosphere of fear and hopelessness among the populace. First, there's the so-called COVID pandemic, in which a flu that originated from China, yes, it originated from China, that's why it was often called the China virus, and was funded by the United States. Remember Fauci? And it spread across the world creating flu-like symptoms. Therapeutic treatments were denied to patients and doctors that objected to the protocols, were silenced and discredited. All the things that were normally always thought of as ways to stay healthy were discouraged by the governments of the world including exercise and sunlight. Hospitals were generously rewarded for not treating anyone with mild symptoms by prescribing therapeutics, instead allowing their conditions to deteriorate, then admitting them to the hospital to be remmed and vented until dead, in which they made tens of thousands of dollars. Any of you that still have respect in a lot of hospitals and doctors, you're just not paying attention. Then we have the so-called climate emergency, known as man-made global warming. Now, think about this. I'm asking you to think here. I'm asking you to put on your thinking cap. Use a little bit of critical thinking here. If there was, in fact, a real problem with man-made global warming, do you think someone other than just politicians would be talking about it? Don't you think that they would have some reputable scientists up there explaining this to us as to exactly what that means? No, there aren't any. None. All we're hearing talking about this are... Leftist politicians. That's it. Where is the science? They're always talking about science all the time. Well, fine, show us the science. You know, the actual sci- science shows that there are any number of natural phenomena on this planet that create far more greenhouse gas than all of the man-made gases that are produced. Matter of fact, the amount of man-made gases that are produced is a tiny, tiny fraction of the overall amount of greenhouse gases. This has been used as justification to shut down domestic oil production, cancel pipeline construction to more efficiently transport oil where it is needed. Russia planned to shut down fossil fuel power plants. Move forward with plans to outlaw the sale of gas powered cars. And who knows, maybe even a planned attack on the Russian Nord Stream pipeline. And let's not forget we need to eliminate those farting cows. All of this has now created an energy crisis, a supply line issue. Shortage of baby formula and a food shortage. How are we going to power all those electric cars that they want to make? Have you asked yourself that question? I mean, there's already blackouts in California because of their ridiculous liberal policies. And now they want to enforce those policies across the entire country. I heard just this morning on the news... Joe Biden talking about how uh, he's going to shut down all the coal-powered power plants and replace them with windmills. You know, coal-powered power plants, they they run, they can run 24/7. They are a constant, steady source of power. What if the wind's not blowing? And those windmills that you've put in place of that coal-powered power plant, where's the electricity going to come from then? Guess what? People are going to lose their electricity. They're going to lose their heat. Their lights are going to go out. This winter will likely result in the deaths of a massive number of people from freezing due to no heating oil. Heck, you know, you hear about the diesel shortage. How do you think they get the heating oil to the people's houses? In trucks that are powered by diesel fuel. How do we get food to the grocery stores in trucks powered by diesel fuel? Then we had the protest at the Capitol on January 6th in which government planted agitators, there is proof of this, incited a riot in order to justify the investigation and incarceration of a lot of good patriotic Americans. Believe it or not, some are still being held under inhumane conditions and government-ran gulags after over two years. Do you even care? Lastly, we have a fear of nuclear war now, thanks to Joe Biden. He's been taunting Vladimir Putin ever since he's been in office. He hasn't been making any effort to talk with this guy and try to find some common ground. Donald Trump was demonized for talking to Putin. But you know what? We did, there weren't any wars going on when, when, when Trump was president either. Think about that. Now we're on the verge of World War III. And you know, I've heard it said that if we have a World War III fought with nuclear weapons, World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Fear is a classic motivator to get ignorant masses to give up their freedom in exchange for a perceived sense of safety. I previously talked about mass formation psychosis and cognitive dissonance. If you didn't hear that show, I suggest you re-listen to it. Do a little bit of study on the subject. These conditions have been created by sustained fear tactics through one manufactured crisis after the other to take attention away from the actual objective of these tyrants. Many people have got to a point in which they are willing to follow any order or mandate without question due to the fear of dying from a virus in which you have virtually no chance of dying from. As wannabe tyrants skillfully spread their ideas, citizens get their hopes up, The harsher the situation is, the more predisposed the citizens will be of giving their trust. Counting with the popular vote through a democratic process, the tyrant is considered the responsible one and will take any needed action to solve any problem. But the social reality will show him that there are no easy decisions, nor easy solutions. Feeling the will to create change. Have we heard that word a lot over the past decade or so? Change. But limited by the law and ethics. Oh, yeah, Joe Biden's finding out, oh, my gosh, those laws are really inconvenient. The Constitution's really inconvenient. So I'll just do an executive order. Once they are in power, legislative reforms are introduced to facilitate their action and take oppressive measures against the opposition. In control of all the government branches and with the support of at least half the population, a tyrant is born. Doesn't it appear that's what we have? You know, I got to thinking about that this morning, about how they say that our country is divided. Now, I know a lot of people, I don't know... I hardly ever meet any flaming, ignorant, stupid, liberal Democrats. I just don't meet a lot of these people. So how is it that 50% of the voters consistently are voting for these radical leftists? Does that make you wonder Leaders do not and cannot rise in a vacuum. They come to power on the backs of the masses. They ultimately disdain and discard at will. It's the people who follow these bullied dictator types that we need to examine and reflect on as well. Why do people worship and enable these leaders? Oh my God, Barack Obama, he was worshiped. I saw people with that creepy picture with the... I don't know what it was. It had like half of the picture looked one way and half the picture looked the other. They'd be hanging it on their refrigerators and having portraits in their house, and it's like they worship this dude. And it's like that's just so weird. They had they had school school to remember. They had little school kids and schools teachers singing songs about Barack Obama. Is that weird? Do you not find that weird? I mean, this is the sort of thing you hear about happening in dictator, communist countries. Where they walk around with big, huge pictures of of the guy that's ruling the country with an iron fist. What is it in human nature that makes us vulnerable to this repeated cycle of cruelty and danger? Not me, but apparently 50% of this country. I found an interesting article that talks about why people will follow tyrants. It lists eight reasons I would like to talk about. <clears throat> First, there is a craving for strong parental figures. A lot of you are probably thinking this sounds pretty immature, behaving for an, a behavior for an adult. I personally do myself. But I have personally met some adults in their 50s still following orders from their parents and passing up living their own lives the way they want. One fundamental concern in human nature that draws them to the idea of a higher authority or power is the need for an idealized parental figure. Partly because while growing up, parents loom large as the overseers of your consciousness, a, bio, a bad childhood can devastate you, and their with their absence or cruelty, they are the basis for your survival during childhood. I think back on my childhood; it's like, oh my gosh, it's like, yeah, I thought that about my parents. It's like, I don't know what I would have done if they would have just suddenly just been gone. They were they my entire world revolved around them. For many, the craving for the support of a strong, perfect-seeming, powerful parent only increases. Unfortunately, this thirst for such a figure can uh, obscure one to the truth that no such perfect figure exists, and a tyrannical leader can easily exploit and thrive off of this unquestioning worship. Another reason is assuming the best in others. Having faith they will do the right thing. And a naive idealism. Now, I've met a lot of people like that. And, I mean, it's a quality that, honestly, I don't, I don't dislike somebody for it. It's, it's good to have faith in things, faith in people. But at the same time, you know, like Ronald Reagan used to say, trust but verify, don't, don't give somebody so much rope that they can hang you with it. <laughs> Many people have a desire to help others and as a result make themselves vulnerable to being taken advantage of. In a healthy society, mutual trust is a cornerstone of community strength in exchange for abiding by general moral rules of community support. But sometimes that leaves us vulnerable to those who don't play by the same rules we do. You know, I was talking about this with my guests prior to the show here, and we were talking about that very thing. Many people assume that any human being will appreciate or exchange the same social contract of mutual respect and generosity and empathy and fairness that most of us try to strive for. Now, when your opposition is someone that has, like, no moral values, you can't expect these things. People with no moral values, they will do anything to win and get what they want, including stepping all over you to get there. Underestimating the existence will sometimes leave you open to sociopaths who mimic and use their generosity, while at their core having no concern for others. We assume the best of each other, which works in many cases but is also an Achilles heel to the cold exploitiveness of sociopathic behavior. Hang on here, i got to take a quick drink. (sighs) Tyrants often provide a sense of wish fulfillment, an admiration of transgressive behavior and confidence. On some level... Maybe we ourselves admire or envy the shark, even if we feel held back in our own lives for whatever reason from eating prey. Whether you are a secret shark lying in wait, seeing where you can bend the rules one day, or whether you envy what they win for themselves. Confidence, power, or money, because you feel those are impossible goals for yourself. Maybe you identify with and admire predatory behavior on some level. I've often heard people say to an accomplished person the phrase how they would like to live vicariously through that person because they have never had the will to challenge themselves to accomplish goals on their own. Maybe on some level you admire the dark side that you suppress within yourself or feel you couldn't pursue due to other constraints, and you enjoy the apparent freedom with which those individuals break rules and achieve glory. It's an interesting concept, huh? Another reason is being drawn to superficial markers such as money, looks, or status. How often these days do we see people choosing a leader based on their skin color, gender, race, or sexual preference? Why should any of that make any difference at all? Humans are sadly status-oriented creatures, partly due to evolutionary behavior. The animal with the brightest plumage who beats their chest the loudest or the male with the longest horns who appears with certain desirable physical attributes who presents themselves as special or unusual gets more mating attention this is true in nature i've i've watched numerous nature programs where it's really weird it's like like they'll they'll be like like this bug that has these long horns on it which serve no purpose whatsoever except that the bug and these are male bugs by the way The male bug with the longest horns attracts more females. (laughs) You know, animal animal behavior, it applies to human beings too. We have certain base instincts. Even babies and children are drawn to certain faces perceived as attractive. There it is, that base instinct that we're all born with. Particularly in our modern capitalist society, we're obsessed with markers of material superficial success. The clothes, the car, the name brand, degrees, the managerial titles, the fame and glamour, and so many others. On some level, we all fall for the simple gambit of admiring these markers, whatever they may be. Unfortunately, these markers usually have nothing to do with morality, kindness, or depth of human character. They are badges of entitlement for show, and we can't help giving them credit. Many people feel weak or uncertain in their own lives. As a result, they'll turn to fantasy figures, such as actors, celebrities, and people that possess charisma and strength. You know, I, I, there's this commercial that plays on TV all the time, and I can't remember what it was, but one thing I've noticed, sometimes they'll, they'll have a, uh, an actor Doing the commercial that has a really low voice. Like, if you have a really low voice, obviously you're speaking with more authority. I even heard that the other day about politicians, that politicians with lower voices are typically more successful. When your relationship, economic situation, or happiness appears to be falling apart, a successful person can draw you in and make you hope that you'll have the same. A situation I've seen a lot over the past couple of years is cowardice, passivity, false safety, and concern about survival to the point in which people will roll over and sacrifice their own freedom to avoid confrontation. (sighs) Some people would rather stay in the seeming safety of the sidelines and let someone else run the show possibly due to the fear of responsibility or retribution. This passive behavior can work to some extent in terms of hiding from initial attention or conflict, but it can be a dangerous way to enable tyrants to take advantage of your fear, which we have seen. It also allows a person to remain in a childlike mentality and avoid ownership of their own problems as they let someone else take over. It's a form of evasion that gives the tyrant more power since no one is willing to confront or stop their transgression. You know, in the state of New Mexico, like I mentioned earlier, we have lost, as conservatives, all of our reputation, uh, all of our representation in this state. We don't have any representation in government now. We don't have any judges We certainly don't have the governor. We now don't even have a representative to Congress. We're on our own. And if you think the government is going to do anything in your favor, you're wrong. If you think that we're going to win at the ballot box, I think that is in some serious question at this point especially when only 51% of the eligible voters show up to vote. There are too many people out there that don't care enough to get involved. Heck, I understand, from what I understand, the Civil War uh, was, no, the Revolutionary War, was fought by 3% of the population. Now, you may not think your vote counts. It does if we'd all get out and vote, but... That's just not apparently going to happen. But you know one way we can? There's a lot of us patriots out there in this state. i got three of them sitting at the table here with me that are going to be talking with me here in a little bit. And there's thousands more in this state. And if we simply stand up and say no and refuse to comply we can have an effect on what's going on. Another huge factor in a tyrant being able to get their way with you is power, popularity, clicks, alignment with the in crowd. Simply being a follower and aligning with others who also do as they are told seem to put you in sync with the group in charge. From grade school onward, peer pressure follows some people their entire lives to avoid being the nerd or oddball who doesn't look smooth or confident. Lastly, we have a lack of critical thinking, using logic, and an understanding of the facts being presented. It's easier to be exploited by a confident tyrant when you don't doubt or examine their statements or motivations with a critical eye. An old saying I remember hearing is that if you you can't dazzle them with brilliance, you baffle them with BS. I'm not gonna say the word, I don't wanna get in trouble. Unfortunately, many people seem fine with going along with the status quo, unwilling to stay informed or read about issues of importance or question items that don't make logical sense. I've been talking about this for weeks now, people. If you blindly accept everything people tell you without question, you will likely be taken advantage of. This applies to anything in life. Just like when you go get your car fixed or whatever, and you know nothing about your car or anything, that mechanic can tell you anything and rip you off and you won't even know it. What this all amounts to is that tyrants will find your weaknesses and exploit them for their own gain. After all this time there are people that are still wearing a mask and are willing to get boosted with an experimental poorly tested drug even though the evidence is out there that it is killing lots of people. Throughout history, corrupt governments have taken advantage of the ignorant masses, and the ignorant masses believed it for their—it was for their safety. It was for their well-being. The government, we're here to help. The truth of the matter is that most of these people supposedly trying to help you are mostly just helping themselves. How else do most of these people go into public office poor and come out millionaires while the rest of us continue to struggle? Us conservatives no longer have any representation in this state of New Mexico. To combat the coming increased tyranny, which I am absolutely sure is coming, the only solution is that at this point, mass noncompliance and civil disobedience is the only way to do it. All of you need to decide what hill you're willing to die on. Right now, the price is fairly low. If you wait until it's too late, all your freedom and liberty will be gone. To conclude... In a quote by John Hancock, he stated, Resistance to tyranny becomes the Christian and social duty of each individual. Continue steadfast, and with a proper sense of your dependence on God, nobly defend those rights which heaven gave and no man ought to take from us. We'll be right back after the break. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor. Local woman owned and ran by husband and wife team since 2004. Individual coaching ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214 or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com.
1: At Los Ranchos Gun Shop, we support law-abiding folks learning to operate their guns safely. Some look at a firearm and see only weapons of war. If the mayor is telling the police to stand down when criminals act and release them into our community without consequence, well, who can you rely on to protect you and your family? Safety and awareness is what we preach and teach. It's your right to be safe in your own home and community. Take up the responsibility. No one else will do it for you. Stop by our new location, 6621 4th Street, Northwest in Los Ranchos. Or call 505 345 345
0: Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Genter from High Desert Chiropractic and Wellness. For 27 years, I've been helping patients by gently treating the root cause of their health issues, not just symptoms. Treatments include various chiropractic techniques and therapies, such as electrical stimulation, ultrasound and intersegmental traction, or the roller table. Let's help you be your best self by helping you achieve optimal wellness and maintain it lifelong located at 5310 homestead road northeast call us at 505-292-2226
2: hello i'm dr dan lafferty
0: and i'm dr stephanie z from abq gentle dentistry
2: putting off a trip to the dentist due to dental anxiety let us ease your fears at abq gentle dentistry we are gentle from your first phone call with the receptionist to the dental chair for treatment we offer oral conscious sedation iv sedation and nitrous gas we have the latest technology to handle all your dental needs right in our office same-day crowns, 3D X-rays, 3D printing, digital intraoral photos, and laser technology.
0: Let us transform your life by transforming your smile into a smile you can love. We also offer clear tray orthodontic therapy. You're part of the family here at ABQ General Dentistry. Gentle not just our name, it's how we treat our patients. We accept most insurance plans and also work with multiple lending companies to help make financing possible. Y hablamos español.
2: We're located at 4550 Eubank Boulevard, Northeast, Suite 101. Give us a call at 505-292-8588 to begin your journey to an awesome smile.
0: Or on the web at albuquerquegeneraldennis.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Freedom Speak. I am your host, Becca Marie, and you are listening to Conservative Talk ABQ K D A Z 96.9 FM AM seven hundred and listen from anywhere at ConservativeTalkabq.com. So I I that that first that first segment just went so fast. I, I really had a lot to say. And there's a lot more to be said, and we're gonna say it. We're gonna say some things that are gonna really make Everybody mad. Good. I hope it does make you mad. If you get mad, maybe you will do something. So I'm here with my guest today. I've got some really great guests today, and it should be a really fascinating show. i got a friend of mine by the name of Charles Barnhart. He's a retired judge, and he's a conservative. I've got Larry Marker here with me. He ran for commissioner of public lands. And I got Derek Scott joining me again. Hello, hey. Charles, I'm gonna start with you. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Oh, well, uh, I was uh, born here in New Mexico, as were my parents. And uh, educated in the Albuquerque public school system, and uh, went to the University of New Mexico, uh, bachelor's degree in uh business that's after I served four years in the navy
0: Thank you for your service
1: and uh so after my bachelor's degree, I went to law school and uh graduated with a juris doctor from new mexico uh our our law school here and uh during law school, I always thought. Everybody picks their role, you know, some, wants, some people want to be lawyers for the defense, some want to be lawyers for the prosecution and so forth. I always felt that my best role would be as a decider, but uh, I didn't think I would ever have a chance to become a judge until I was, you know, old and had, a, had already had a legal career, which is what most judges are, lawyers that have been some, a lawyer for some time. But it just so happened that uh, this was the year Reagan was running, and the Republican Party needed somebody to fill a, a spot in a ballot that uh, everybody knew this person was going to lose the election. They needed a lawyer, and they needed somebody to run for Metropolitan Judge to fill Judge Royball's seat, who had died in office so close to the election that uh, they couldn't uh, have a primary. So each party had the right to pick somebody to run, and uh, the Democrats picked the guy that they picked to fill the office. The Republicans needed somebody, so they called a bunch of lawyers, nobody would do it. So I had just graduated from law school, and uh, they called me and said, well, why not? I will run for judge, I've always wanted to be a judge. I I won't win, but I'll at least get my foot in the door. And so we had the election, well, was the year that Reagan ran real strong, and uh, I thought, well, uh, I still wound up losing and uh, in, in in the in the evening, I had lost by about seventeen hundred votes and uh, well uh, that year was uh a year when the Republican women had made an effort to get out the the uh, uh, Absentee ballot. I think the <laughs> absentee ballots. So they had harvested, you know, they had got about three thousand of the uh Republicans to vote absentee, and those had to be counted overnight. So uh, in the morning I wound up uh having won by about fifteen hundred votes because all of those Republic all those absentee votes were Republicans. And uh so I owe my office to the Republican Ladies, get out the absentee ballot vote uh, effort in uh, 1980. And, of course, Ronald Reagan, who ran very, very strong and <clears throat> so forth. But I managed to uh, become a judge as a Republican in in New Mexico, which even back then was you know, pretty un, unheard of. And uh, so for the next 25 years, I managed to keep my position as a a, uh, Republican judge and uh, retire from the Metropolitan Court.
0: Awesome. You know, Republican judges apparently are extremely unheard of now because none of them won in this recent election except for ones that were running unopposed, which they won by default. But... You know, the judges that we had on the ballot that we were that we've been talking about for months, they all lost. They all lost. Hey, Larry, Larry Marker. You guys might know who Larry Marker is.
3: How are you all doing today? I appreciate you having me up here.
0: Yeah, this
3: this has been an adventure. This has definitely been an adventure, including your monologue, by the way. Thank there, you. The beginning of it, I was really depressed, wondering why I came, and at the end of it, I was inspired, ready to storm the beaches of Normandy or something. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> did a good job with that one. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that it was going to take up the entire first uh, first segment, but it did. Uh, it it's was
3: like... it was well worth it for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The drive home will be a lot better than the drive up was, I guarantee. Well, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, here I am. I'll I'll shut up. What do you got? What you
2: got?
0: Well, Derek, you want to say a few words? Derek's back with me again this week. Well, and I appreciate you having. He's you, like thank one you. of my semi regular fixtures yeah, around here. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> I got <laughs> I got him closer to me today, yeah, so I can yeah, get a hold of him. So if get, if get a I need hold too. of me. He did seem keep real me comfortable
3: crying. till you had him scoot over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
2: why I'm like oh, I don't know anymore. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I um, Larry Marker, like you know, I don't know how many people know your history, but you kind of followed the similar history that I followed yes. in running for the sheriff's office kind of building my own campaign and I, if I remember they asked you to take it right
3: well uh the way I the way I became an independent actually is I had I had called uh I'll just well I called Jim Townsend in December and I said hey Mr. Townsend me and Mr. Townsend I thought we were friends apparently I was a friend of his he wasn't a friend of mine but anyway <laughs> kind of a long story there anyway Mr. Townsend had been keeping track of me a little bit I'd you know, gone to some legislative sessions, you know, uh, testifying in different committee hearings, things like that. Being in the oil and gas industry and being the recipient of some of the uh, regulatory overreach, I kind of got a head start on everybody else and what what became the, the COVID epidemic and all that. I, w- I was seeing there was a lot of similarities in what, what the government was what was
2: coming down the, warp, the pipe
3: yeah right. i saw and and i had been literally. involved, literally yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah the the trick is to keep it in there but anyway right. <laughs> i had seen that and i had already been involved and had some experience in fighting the regulatory agencies and, and there was a lot of similarities into the the mode of operation of the department of health and then prior to that the nmocd and and then now we've got the state land office is just really off the hook i had actually called townsend and said hey i'm looking at running for state land commissioner i've been a republican you know since the reagan years well i actually got out of high school in the reagan years anyway uh he uh he said well we got our guy you know i said well don't we have primaries and stuff you know because i've never had any desire to run for any political office period actually my goal in life was just to be nobody just ride around in my old war out truck and check my wells and just be left alone that's still my goal in life. I, gonna, I think a lot of us would like yeah. to get back I would to yeah. like that. It's, it's going to take me a I while really to get would. back there. But I,
0: that, I have a lot of hobbies. I would love to get back to them. Yeah, I'd Maybe like to have a life
3: again. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I called him. And, and anyway, he said, we got our man. We got our man. And in southeastern New Mexico, if you're not familiar with the politics in southeastern New Mexico, it's real common to hand your your office off. Yeah. Or the and yes. they they pretty well prepick your who's gonna run. You never run against an incumbent. There's these unspoken rules and these sort of yes. things. Yes. So uh I decided, well I, I knew that there was gonna be a representative position open in my district because of the redistricting. And I knew that that was coming up, but you know, it was one of those things you didn't talk about because I figured this guy wanted to handpick his successor, and I said, "Well, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. See if the Republicans actually want me on their, on their at their table." Anyway, a couple days before the end of January, when I had to pull out if I was going to run as an independent, I decided, you know what, they don't want me at their table, so I pulled out of the Republican Party. I became an independent, and sure enough, just like I said, you know. Two days before it was time to announce that guy not running, you know, he handpicked us. And that's what happens in southeastern New Mexico, which is a big problem. We need to get the Republican leadership out of southeastern New Mexico. I know that sounds weird for a guy from southeastern New Mexico, but, you know, campaigning, I have met people all over the state of New Mexico and people... People warned me, you know, stay out of the echo chamber. Don't just go, you know, talk to people that, that believe like you. You know, you're trying to get votes from other people. And I took that took that advice, and I cannot find the people that would vote like what we had this week. I've been all over the state of New Mexico. The entire state of New Mexico is an echo chamber for, for our beliefs. It, and this has shocked me. I was, I was completely stunned. I did make up. I did make some assumptions about the independent block of voters in New Mexico, and, and if in fact our elections are correct, and we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. I misjudged the independence. There's there's a little over three hundred thousand registered do not state or what I call independence in New Mexico, and I was counting on that being my base of support. I don't know that that happened.
2: How many? Okay, so here's. So let's dive into it. Yes. Yes. Let's do. How many? Independent voters in your area, did you, so you, like me, you probably went out, got some info, or maybe the party had some, or you got, went to the state yeah. website, pulled down the info from them because they hand it out to each party they're supposed to. Well, yeah. And they, I, they I tell they you, they don't I don't have, think I got yeah. updated info. Yeah. They never, they never gave me correct info. There was a lot of, uh, I remember when I handed over my information that I had from the state brand new. In that was March, okay, of this year, I handed over to a phone call guy that runs some robots, small company, really kind of cool, cool guy, really very pro conservative. I mean, he'll still take any side, you know he's a business you know he's running a business and his business is based off of robo calling it's not really robo calling they take they either have their own voice actor or you can voice act or whatever and you do it within 30 seconds and it just automatically calls if it gets a message machine leaves a message or if it gets a person it'll just read out the recording right right so we were talking back and forth about this so i sent him the info of all the phone numbers that i got you won't believe how many he eliminated so, I gave him, I think it was, so, in Bernalillo, it's about like 500,000 info that I had for the sheriff's issue, right? He whittled it down to 10,000. 10,000 people, that was wow. it. That's all, all phone numbers that were valid, Right. So this guy quickly, well, he's got a database he can go against, okay? He pays the extra money for that. And part of his service for me is I hand him to him. Before I even pay a dime, he goes through and finds real phone numbers that are going to be viable, okay, for what I'm looking for. Either hard Republican, soft Republican, hard Democrat, soft Democrat, or independent, yeah. okay? But yeah, so when we went for independent and Democrat or uh, Republican, hard and soft, so we went all across the board. 10, so yeah, 10,000. So all of them out were of five, bad out, out of five, 500, almost 500,000. Yeah, almost yeah. 500,000. Or it was 600,000. I think, excuse me, it was 600,000. Because yeah, he's like, Derek, out of 600,000, I got 38,000 cell phone numbers that are viable and 10,000 landlines that are viable. That are actually good numbers that'll work, that are real, that lead to a person, (laughs) that are not fake, that are not, you know, spoofed or whatever. So how are you supposed to, if the state's handing you this information, how are you supposed to get to these people? Well,
0: that... That leads me about something about uh, when it has to do with polls, okay? I was listening on the news the other day, and they were talking about how how polls ha- have become completely unreliable. And the reason for that is is because polls were re- really reliable when everybody had landlines. And now the whole environment has completely changed. And so these polls have become pretty, pretty inaccurate because it's it's like you just mentioned it's hard to reach people now by the conventional means that we've normally thought of so honestly i don't i don't know where the future of polls is i don't even know how you would do it anymore it's it's the, it's hard to say so for me and the way
2: i made viability of my namesake and everything and how where i was viable where i could grab i did my own Polling. I did my own polling. I would go out, walk on the street and ask people. I would make f- cold calls. I'd do anything to get some idea, depending on the segments of the county, uh, which way they were leaning, what they were looking for. And that's, you know, that's kind of how we drew our campaign and why we were so grassroots is because we did it ourselves. We had to. We didn't have much money. I mean, I spent more money than some of the other people, the other two candidates. Um, not as much as one of the candidates, but the other two. But yet, I still was very grassroots, and I mean, it proved it in the vote in the end that we were really grassroots. Now, there's claims going around that somebody else was supposed to get second place. There's claims of you know conspiracy crap, but in all reality, I worked hard for what I got. And I mean, and I know what I missed too. I know that I missed the East Mountains. It's because it was hard for me to get to the East Mountains on a regular basis. And I had a friend who was going to cover it, but he just, he did never got the time to really get out there and pound on doors like we were able to in the city. And so, yeah, I kind of lost some of the East Mountains and then some of the West Side too. But, but it was like the South, southeast, sorry, Southeast. And so those were just areas that were just really hard to hit. And, and we were getting such bad info because, like I said, it was it was fake. It was, you know, the addresses were wrong. We knocked on the door. That person didn't live any, there anymore. So it was just like, well, we're not going to focus on this. We're going to focus on where we got good numbers, good information.
3: The worst info I got, I decided to scrap all of that because it was bad. And I decided, well, I like it this was a mistake i decided well i'm going to go to the voter rolls i'll go to the voter rolls by golly those have got to be accurate nope
2: that's even worse. well
3: yeah they're worse they're they're an average the voter rolls are an average of 40 percent off statewide yes sir and that you know you mail you send out a mailer you're going to spend a lot of money mailing stuff that get that comes back you get more back than than what you sent yeah that didn't work too good as as far as I had a bit of an advantage because I had several months where I was gathering signatures all over the state. And I got to talk to people while I was gathering signatures. And I learned a lot about, you know, where I would have my support, where I wouldn't have support, that sort of stuff. Right now with what's going on with, you know, they still haven't counted my vote, Yeah, which is, is kind of confusing. It's awful suspect. So I don't know if I'm going to get any good
2: information out of that. <laughs> out of my vote count (laughs) so this is the question have what what legal means so the the big issue here now that we're leading into right yeah is that you just mentioned it they didn't count your votes not one vote is showing up correct
3: they started dribbling in late last night, my treasure. Well, late last night, about eight thirty. I'm I'm older, so eight is late now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know
0: that that I'm hearing that from a lot of people. I'm hearing yeah. a lot of people saying, "Well, I I live in so and so county, and I wrote in Larry Marker, mm-hmm. but yet uh, the the it's." There's the website votes. saying yeah. there's zero votes for Larry yeah, Marker vote. So this yeah. this really this really leads to a lot of questions here. This leads to the question, OK, if if you wrote in Larry Marker on your ballot and your vote for Larry Marker is not showing up in the numbers, then did any of your votes count?
3: And, and that would be a legitimate question, you know. I've, I've been talking to some of the county clerks, and they're saying where we're counting on there was so many of them. Well, why does at
0: the website, the SOS website say then 100% Exactly. Yeah. Why and does it say that?
3: That was the last question I had yesterday yeah. before they went home in Roswell. I said, well, if you guys have already up, uploaded into the Secretary of State's database or whatever you call it, why is it still showing zero? Because there's some people upset they're calling me Matt. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them because I told them, hey, I'm going to, you know, you vote for me. I'm going to see that your vote counts. Well, I, I need to follow through with that, obviously. So I don't understand why we're, we're getting slow dribbles, even from Chavez County, because supposedly they finished yesterday or, or, you know, yesterday afternoon. And then Bonnie called me last night about 830. She's my treasurer. She said, you know, your, your votes are starting to dribble in. You're showing 1,058 in Chavez County. Well, I had 1,000 after the early voting so you know i know the adjudication process there were a lot of people that had a hard time figuring out how to do the write-in and and that may be something we have to deal with you know in in the legal system for sure
0: yeah well you know i looked at the ballot when i was looking at the ballot it's like uh, the reason i knew how to to fill it out is because i had been told how you're supposed to fill it Mm -hmm. out by someone else okay the the ballot itself gives you really no instructions on how to properly do a write-in. It's got the you know it's got the other two people that were running, and then at the bottom it's got a, a you know thing yeah. declared write in Declare and it's got write-in. an oval. Yeah, yeah. And it's like you would assume, now if nobody had told you otherwise, you would look at that and you would assume that you're supposed to just fill in the oval. Because if you look to, this, to the rest of the space? It doesn't look like a provided space to write anything. Yeah, in. it doesn't. Yeah. You no. have to write it yourself. We
3: actually had two sitting senators that voted for me that called and told me there was no place to write your name. Yeah. So I right. just assumed that is the way it you appears. Were the only you were the only write-in that we would just call it. Two sitting senators. I'm not going to tell you their names because yeah. they'll be mad at me. <laughs> but it's liable to come out later anyway. Because there there needs We need to do some changing in, in our obviously in our in our election system I
0: mean did nobody look at these ballots before they were approved for use and I, say hey this is a yeah, problem
3: I did and I called my clerk and sh- and my clerk is great and she said led's my nickname obviously but uh well you know that maybe not everybody knows that yeah. but lead is my nickname she said well Led she said you know the voter does have some responsibility I said yeah but they also need to have an equal opportunity ne- to vote yes, for whoever they there want to go. yeah and that's what we're—and that's—
2: That's been—there dis- is—I'm pretty sure you know there's case presidents when it comes to that about that it's the state's duty to give away for somebody to do it, right?
1: I really don't know what the uh, state of the election laws are here in New Mexico, but I wouldn't—I wouldn't, uh,
2: uh, I wouldn't uh, assume that there's going to be much help there. Yeah. No. Well, I, I remember cases in a while back when it came to ballots and the way they were printed yeah. and the way they were done in the 90s that there was some responsibility to the counties in the state to to have a way for them to, to understand in, a, in an appropriate manner. It, it was very weird language, but...
3: Well, I was... What, what I'm thinking, if, if I pursue this, I would package it with other issues that we have. And, and I like the fact that I needed 14,400 signatures to get on the, on the
0: ballot. Which I think is insane. That, that is insane. outrageous. And
3: then what the worst part of that is is Maggie would have had complete discretion on verification of my signatures, which is why I decided to go ahead and run as a write-in because I don't do ver- very very well with Maggie's discretion.
2: Well,
0: well, Maggie's yeah.
2: discretion is always kick you out and right. see you later. Right. So, guys,
0: cool. hey, we're at the end of the first hour, and so we have a lot to go through on this election stuff. I, I've got a lot of things I'm going to say that are probably going to really tick off a lot of people, and that's okay, uh, because I'm just going to be spe- speaking the truth as I see it. And, and that's what I always do, regardless of, you know, the consequences or how people— feel about it. Anyway, we'll be back. Hour two. Don't go anywhere.
1: Somewhere in a lonely hotel room does the
2: guy start to realize that eternal fate has turned its back on the It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. It's 2 a.m. The fear is
1: gone. gone. It's 2 a.m. The thirst is still warm. warm.